start. Uh, I'm here talking with uh, John Hunter, who is the composer of the Academy Award-nominated uh, animated short film, The Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lesmore. And uh, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, I guess to start off, how did you get off, or how did you start off, uh, start off in music, and what led you to composing for film? Uh, well, um, you know, just like everybody else, I guess, when they're a young kid, they dream of being a rock star. So, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't take guitar. I, I, I took piano. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, that ended up working out in the end. But um, I, I basically just, um, decided to decided, I guess, in high school that I wanted to to make music. Uh, my passion, my living, and, and uh, I was lucky enough to get accepted to the Berklee College of Music. Mm-hmm. I got a degree in film scoring, and uh, from then on, it basically just progressed from there. Um, initially, um, and I guess uh, first and foremost, um, it, it was really in commercials that, that I got my, my real big start, and I still do commercials, uh-huh. but um, films have always been my passion. Uh, but being based in Dallas, it's, it's pretty difficult to um, to garner work from Los Angeles. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, it's uh, I, I can't complain because um, you know I could this as easily as being being uh, composing for films and doing commercials. I could be you know um, you know do, doing something else that 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 was not as high profile or or didn't didn't uh, make as, as uh, much of a living for me. <laughs> and so, how did you get involved with? Uh the film Mr. Morris Lesmore? Um, I've been Brandon Oldenburg for, for many years. Actually, he was one of the the first guys that I met uh, when uh, my partner and I opened up Juniper Music Productions, our production company in Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, back in 1993. And so I've known him since then, and, and we, were, we basically just kind of came up together. He was working for a company called Real Effects, and uh, Real Effects did a lot of um, work and still does do a lot of work for, for advertising as well as, as um, long-form and short-form um, uh, film work. And um, they called us in on a project. Um, called, it was a short film called Man in the Moon, and it was a Bill Joyce property that they were working on. And that's really how I got to know Bill mm-hmm. uh, as well. And uh, from then on, we've, just, we've collaborated on a couple of different things. And... Uh... So I mean, I I watched the film and it's it's quite a unique, very beautiful small piece, and uh, and even though it uses sound effects, it does it is more or less I guess a silent film that kind of feels very Buster Keaton, uh, Charlie Chaplin, and it relies uh-huh. so much on your music and it's so precise. Uh, to it almost feels like the the film was animated to the music. At what point during production did you start writing? Well, it's uh, that's actually a very, very um, astute observation on your part. Um, really, Moonbot in general, uh, Bill and Brandon's company, um, they're, they're very unique. They, they don't do things uh, the way uh, other animation companies do. And I think one of the main reasons is they really are concerned at this point in time, and I hope it continues to be, uh, they're concerned with the work. They've mm-hmm. never really, uh, I've never heard them talk about anything other than the quality of the work. So when, when they, they called me, um, and they're based in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, they asked me if I would be interested and if it was possible for me to move to Louisiana to work on a film. And so they made space for me at Moonbot. I moved my rig down there. And um, the reason everything is really tight uh, when it comes to you know, the music fitting the picture is because 
I was there as it was being animated. Um, not from the beginning of the animation process, but pretty much um, the point where all the wireframes and, 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 and timings were there, for the mm-hmm. most part, they called me in and I started scoring. And I became, uh, to their credit, an integral part of the back-and-forth process. Like, they would send me a rough, I would score it, and the guy who was animated was in the room next door. So he would, he would uh, stretch things out, and then, I, and then he'd send it back to me, and then I would tighten things up. And it went back and forth like that. Um, not a conventional way of working by today's standards, but um, a very effective way of working. And uh, did, did you guys storyboard the whole thing beforehand so you kind of had a, an idea of the pace of what you wanted? Um, yeah, actually, um, we, we kind of came up with our own way of working. A lot of times when you see the storyboards um, and they're laid out, you really don't know how long each frame's going to last. Right. So so he would he'd basically say, okay, here, here's a storyboard, and I would say, well, how many frames do you think it's going to be on this shot of his face? Oh, let's say five. And how many, how many frames is it going to be here? And so I kind of made a graph. Uh, that was just timing. So like saying, okay, we need sad music up to here, then we get happy and we go down here. <laughs> and, and the whole thing's going to be a minute and 45 seconds, this cue. So I'd write that. And then they'd start animating to it. And there was, I said, hey, we need a little more time here, or we want to hang a little bit more on this expression. We're going to stretch this out. So then it'd come back to me. I'd, I'd mess with it and then send it back to them. So it was, it was, it was a great process going back and forth. It really was. And how long was the whole production? How long did it take from start to end to make the film? Well, for me, uh, my involvement in, uh, in it was uh, about two months. I was in Shreveport for two months just working on the film. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that's a long time for, for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know how long it took for the, the whole film as a, as a whole piece to be completed? Well, when we got called, it was the summer of 2010. I believe it was like uh, June of 2010 when we got the first pencil sketch animatic from them. So um, I think that was a fir- that was when we saw it in its in its roughest state. But mm-hmm. they may have been working on it uh, for for a little time before then. But wow. uh, and it's I mean it, and it's it just incorporates almost every type of animation which I've I've never seen before. It's just the the whole feel of it. It's you know stop motion and and uh, miniatures and all that and. Yeah, yeah. It was really, you know, one of the things they said to me at the very beginning that I I always kept in mind was they said, John, this is going to be our calling card. You know, we're a brand new company. Because they were basically building the studio as they were animating us as well. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. So they they said straight out, this is going to be our our calling card. So that's, for me, it was a lot of internal pressure. (laughs) You know, inside of me, I'm like, wow, okay, there's no nothing else but, but uh, music sound effects in this thing, so I really do need to make sure this thing kicks some sort of ass. <laughs> so, and the, a big part of the of the score is the, which almost is the central motif, is the tune Pop Goes the Weasel. And yeah. uh, so what was the decision behind that and how, for, you know, that was specific to the character in the story, and how did you arrange that tune to become something almost new? Because by the by the end of the film, I wasn't, my brain wasn't processing. Oh, here comes the pop goes the weasel again. It was. It was like, oh, here comes the character's, you know, central motif. Well, well, I mean, that's really nice of you to say because I, I, I really. Well, going back a little bit to answer your question, the multi, multifaceted question here. <laughs> um, they already knew that they wanted pop goes the weasel somehow incorporated before I even got involved because the only time you actually hear Morris is at the beginning of the film where he's humming pop goes the weasel. Right. 
And so he said, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. And they said, we want this to kind of be his theme. And so I started messing with it. And, of course, the first thing came out, I was like, oh, that's too cute, Hunter. I said, well, it's Pop Goes the Weasel, man. It's going to be cute. <laughs> you know? And they said, well, can you make it not cute? So that became the task. It was, it was basically um, reharmonize this, take certain aspects of it. And, and that really, you know, I learned a good lesson here because I really felt um, like my hands were tied you know, uh, to this tune when, when they said, you, you, we really want you to use this tune. But um, I experienced a, a really nice, um, I guess, self-awareness at this point where I said, man, when you're given parameters like that, it actually forces you to be a little more creative. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I really had to kind of sit there and, and, and I plucked it out and kind of, you know, brought out all the, the old, old school film scoring tricks that I usually don't have time to even think about. Usually people want something, you know, the next day. Mm-hmm. But like I said in the beginning, these guys were always interested in quality over, you know, how fast they, they want it done. So, man, I, I, I spent hours just kind of doing this thing in a retrograding version and version, transposing and doing things back and forth. And, and knowing that it had to to be his theme, but at the same time, you didn't want people to, to, to get tired of the, of the tune. Mm-hmm. That was where, where the pressure really lied. So... Um, you know, once we started uh, reharmonizing it, and you know, Bill would come in, come in and say, "Is that Pop Goes the Weasel?" I said, "Yeah, yeah. I just inverted these two notes, and that goes into the thing." He's like, "Oh, okay, great." You know, uh, it, it, I wanted it to be where people w- would, at the beginning, know as Pop Goes the Weasel, but uh, in the end, I didn't. I didn't want people to even think about Pop Goes the Weasel. I just wanted them to say, "Hey, this really fit." You know, um, which, which it did. Perfect. It did. I didn't. It, it totally. That's exactly how it it, it worked on me. So. Great, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so, where where were you when you got the the phone call for the Academy Award nomination? <laughs> well, yeah, that that was actually a really really interesting thing because uh, you know with social media and whatnot, um, it it kind of happens faster than a phone call. Uh-huh. Um, I'm I'm Facebook friends with uh, with Brandon, and um, I just see these bold type words. We got the nomination. <laughs> And and I just was typing woohoo as fast as I could on my iPhone, <laughs> uh, and and that was really it. I mean, I was actually in the studio when when I got, and it was a very surreal experience. Um, I was wow because I had spent time in LA um, slugging it out, you know, trying to to do the you know film work agent thing, and it's it's a grind, you know. I'm I'm, I'm totally convinced it has nothing to do with your talent, but just really has to do with. Because basically, I shouldn't say it has nothing to do with talent. It's it's a given you've got talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a given. Okay, it really comes down to who speaks highly of you in what circles. And and the old saying, you know, it's it's not you know it's, it's who knows you, and who knows your name, and, and who speaks highly of you, and what people in positions to give you work think of their opinion. Right. So. I was so far down the food chain, you know, that, that I really, you know, I, I'd done some, some films and stuff, nothing that I could hang my hat on, you know, and it was more of a, a, a I categorize as a great learning experience as opposed to just a great experience. And it, it was funny coming to Dallas and, and getting back into the app and, and film roots and then re-hooking up with Brandon. It's like what I was really trying to achieve. I was there the whole time. I actually had to come back for, <laughs> you know, I was like, Wow, I had to go to Shreveport to actually, you know, get my sink my teeth into something, but to actually get noticed. So um, it's a good lesson. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it is because I I moved out here 
uh, I guess a year, almost two years ago, and uh, and it's it was it was tough just getting you know I mean it's still it's still tough, but I'm you know still trying. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know I mean every you know a, a, a kid comes up to me and and he's got great chops and got great little studio. He says, hey man, you know I, I, can you give me some tips? And I said, yeah, I can give you some tips, but quite honestly, bro, you and I are in the exact same place. You know what? I mean, yeah, you haven't scored a film or anything. I haven't really scored anything of note until now. <laughs> but but it's just like that's the way. If you and I both moved to Hollywood right now, even though I've got a few more films under my belt, we're still in the same boat, man. You know, yeah. it's like that. That's really the, the the reality of the situation. And and I've been slugging it out, spent thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, just trying to, um, you know, have a product in Los Angeles. Yeah. And, um, and then I know it's tough. Um, did make me realize anybody who, who's out there who actually is getting great work and, and, and is doing a good job actually does deserve it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's not like, yeah, I can't be jealous about that. You know, I have to just take my hats off to that guy because I know how hard it is. And obviously he did a great job. Right. So you, and you also worked on the, they have an iPad app that kind of branches from the film. How does that, yeah. so what, what, what is the, the basis of that app and how does it extend from the film? Well, um, it's, um, obviously it's the first app that I'd, I'd ever worked on or, or any, you know, game sort of thing. And the only thing that was really different was, because uh, the music is essentially taken from the film, mm-hmm. is I have to actually work in, in loop parameters because uh, everybody reads things or plays things at a certain speed. So when they're swiping or, or um, somehow you know, um, reacting and, and engaging the application itself, I have to make things cadence within a, a certain amount of time from, from the time they would actually uh, re- uh, swipe something. Does that make any sense? <laughs> it, it was like, okay, well, we want to make sure on a four-bar loop instead of an eight-bar loop because the next thing that, that happens happens pretty quickly, you know? And um, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of talk about, hey, we don't want any pause here unless we have to have it because people are going to think the iPad busted, you know? So a, a lot of it's really just kind of, having some sort of drony thing that things go into. It's a different way of thinking about writing, that's for sure. Um, I've never thought about it in terms like that, but it all makes sense. It's not rocket science. Really. Yeah, and we got a lot of, I talked to a lot of composers who do video games, and it, it's all about uh, getting the loop down and making sure that it's not going to drive, you know, the player crazy if it's the same. <laughs> <way>. so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luckily on this one, you can actually turn it off if it does start driving you crazy. <laughs> Well, hopefully no one is turning it off. But yeah, there you go. Um, so to to wrap up, I always like to to ask composers um, if you had the the one the an opportunity to score uh, any film ever made with no disrespect to the original composer, what movie would you choose? <laughs> wow, uh, that's a really really great one. Um, I would. There's so many really really good ones, but for me, I would have to say it would be. Um, and I'm talking about like what I thought I could do a good job with too. Right. Okay. Not, not, not just uh, because it was a great film, but I probably would have loved to have scored The Godfather. That's it. Uh, yeah. That would have been one that that I I would really think I could sink my teeth into. And surprisingly, I don't think anyone has said that yet, which is always 
I always find I, I'm always no. It's always funny because I don't think anyone has repeated themselves when I ask that question to composers. Everyone picks a different film, so that's a good one though. <laughs> well, good, good, awesome. <laughs> um, but I'm out of questions for you now, John. So, but uh, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, man. Uh, this was great. I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do it again real soon, sometime in the future. And uh, c- congratulations on the Academy Awards. And uh, I'll be uh, I'll be rooting for you. And great, weeks, man. So. I appreciate that, man. All, All right. right. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good one, man. Right, you too. Bye. <laughs>